Coming up on Studios America, Jeff Fisher returns to the program to chew some fat and probably whatever other snacks he finds lying around. Glenn Beck stops in to tell us if America is heading towards a divorce. And nobody likes to be told what to do by the government. I know I don't. But even I have enough common sense to know that there's one tiny little thing that maybe we should be focusing on and uh, in this arena. So let's do the border mandate. Stu does America. Oh, yes, this presidency has gone really well so far. I mean, pretty much everything working out as planned. Well, and that part might actually be true. Maybe as planned. However, the, the, the reception to the Biden presidency has been, shall we say, lukewarm. There have been lots of different categories. The economy, people don't really seem to be thinking that's going all that well. The COVID response, that's dropped off dramatically in the approval rating for Joe Biden. Afghanistan, oh my gosh, that's terrible. We all know that. But actually, there are something that's even lower. Joe Biden's approval rating on the border is something literally like 23% right now. This has been a catastrophe for Biden, and it's, it's really gone out of control since the second he stepped into office. And what's been interesting about this is to watch him flail around on all these other policies and watch how inconsistent he's been on our borders. Now, there's a new uh, announcement that came out uh, yesterday. Biden administration to ease COVID-19 travel restrictions at Canada and Mexico land border crossings. And this is something where, okay, we're going to open up the borders finally, but you're, you're seeing a lot of um, sort of vaccine mandates worked into these policies. Uh, everyone's noticing that the border situation has been farcical to say the least. Even Vox is pointing out Biden's incoherent immigration policy. President Biden proposed humane immigration reforms, but continued harsh Trump era enforcement policies at the border. Hmm. What is going on? What's the truth? Very interesting to see this come out. Wall Street Journal says for the first time in 20 months, travelers from Canada and Mexico will be permitted to enter the U.S. at its land border crossings for purposes such as shopping or visiting family and friends, so long as they are fully vaccinated. Mexican and Canadian citizens were always permitted to enter for essential reasons such as attending school or trucking goods across the border. Unvaccinated travelers will still be prohibited from coming to the U.S. for non-essential travel. The administration also hasn't allowed migrants to present them themselves at legal ports of entry to request asylum as they could before COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic. Administration officials didn't answer questions as to uh, about whether migrants would be permitted to do that. Now, the border closures separated cross-border families, cross-border families, and took financial toll on border cities in the U.S., many of which rely heavily on Mexican or Canadian foot traffic for sales tax revenue. U.S. rules, meanwhile, did permit, permit Mexican and Canadian citizens to fly in without so much as a COVID-19 test before this past January. None of this makes sense, right? You're stopping people from crossing the border and then mandating vaccines for them crossing the border legally. You're not doing anything for people who are flying in, and God only knows what's going on with people who are illegally crossing the border at these same land crossings. I will say this, I, you know, they wouldn't even let my Toronto Blue Jays play in their friggin' home stadium for half the year. That's how crazy this is, America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays, of course. So what is going on here exactly? What is the truth? What is happening here? First of all, we should say, 
as a uh, as a uh, as a, a program, as as myself, as I'm sure, as an audience, I think as well. We strongly oppose vaccine mandates. I don't want them really for anybody. But if there is one place where we are able to implement them, and, and we would know this as people who argue constantly for sovereignty of our country and also uh, for having a border, it's people who are coming here that are not citizens. If you want to come here and you want to work here, if you want to come here and, uh, and, and be a tourist, if you want to come here and, I don't know, participate in some uh, very peaceful burning of our cities in George Floyd pro protests, whatever you're doing, we certainly as a country have the right, whether we want to execute it or not, have the right to say to you, no, you need to be vaccinated for these things. We do this all the time with people like um, uh, with people who are coming here with asylum requests, uh, people who are coming here with special immigrant visas. We say you have to get we say this to uh, people all the time. In fact, one of the things we do is we make people who come here that are asylum, um, uh, pot potential asylum um, um, uh, recipients to actually take ivermectin. We say you got to take that before you come. We require all sorts of things of people who are coming into our country because that's what it is. It's ours. It's our country. And we want to welcome people here that are coming legally. We want people to visit. We want people to come here and make our country better. But there are requirements to that. And we have absolute right to be able to enforce those things. But that's really not what this is about. And this is what I keep coming back to over and over and over again. Over and over again, we've seen action taken by the government that goes against what they say they actually want here. Give me, let's look at these two policies side by side. We have people who are flying into the country. We have people who are crossing land borders. Now we're going to require vaccination of them. Okay, well, you could at least make, you might not like that policy, but you might say, okay, well, they believe in vaccinations and they want to stop the pandemic and that's why they're doing this. Okay, I mean, we saw, obviously, Donald Trump stopped uh, flights from, you know, multiple continents for, for coming here through the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. We've taken all sorts of weird restrictions on this and a lot of it was understandable at the time. However, if you are the type of person who says, I'm not going to let anyone into this country, who's flying in or coming across uh, legally uh, into our country, they're going to need to be back uh, unless they're uh, vaccinated. If you're going to put a vaccine mandate on that activity, how on earth, how on earth can you not put a vaccine mandate on illegal immigrants we're catching at the border? Why, in fact, to the point where Peter Ducey asked this, and we don't have time to play it right now, but Peter Ducey asked this of Jen Psaki weeks ago. Hey, you know, people are flying in, you're requiring vaccine cards, right? However, when illegal immigrants cross the border, are you giving them not only the option and the mandate to get the vaccine if they haven't had it yet, but are we even testing them for COVID? And, you know, Jen Psaki was like, well, you know, look, they don't plan on staying here for a long time, so we don't have to do that. What that has to do with anything, I don't know. Obviously, most of Jen Psaki's answers are completely incoherent. But if you're requiring vaccine uh, vaccines for people who are visiting. If you're requiring vaccines for people who are working here, but you're not requiring them for people who are coming across the border, you could say a lot about those two policies, but what you can't say is it's got anything to do with COVID, right? Like if you are trying to stop COVID, you would be consistent on those two policies. You at the very least would be, would be testing everybody who came across the border. And honestly, when you're talking about illegal immigrants, 
people who are not have no legal right to be here at all. You're telling me we can't force them to take vaccines? Maybe some of them will go home because they don't want them. Good. The point here is that you come across the border legally or you don't come across the border. We'd be much better off making sure we controlled the border and knew who was coming in rather than putting on all these restrictions on good tourists who want to come visit us. People who are coming here for absolutely legal reasons. You want to come into this country to close some big business deal? Got to have a vaccine mandate put on that person. But the person who's coming across the border for God only knows what? Everything from uh, just crossing the border illegally to um, wire fraud to, uh, you know, identification theft to uh, crimes that are even worse than that. Maybe they're just one of these people, you know, they had an act of love and they had to come across the border. Those people, absolutely, we have the right to do that. We, we can encourage them and require them to have a vaccine before they come in this country. We don't have to respect their rights in that way american citizens yeah we should respect their rights why on earth are we are we are we requiring more out of our own citizens than we are from illegal immigrants who have absolutely no right to be here none of this makes sense as a coherent border strategy a coherent covid strategy or coming out of the mouth of a coherent person None of this makes sense. It's about something else. It's not about the border. It's not about COVID. It's about something else. It's about control. And this Biden administration, despite how terribly this whole presidency has gone so far, will not give up an ounce of control. And it really does illuminate what is most important to them. Anybody who drinks wine knows the options are limitless, which is why I, I always talk to, you know, people who like wine know, right? They're like, you know, I got to have something different. I got to have something that's going to challenge me a little bit. You know, having the same bottle of wine that you love over and over again, there's a charm to that, of course, but you want to expand your horizons a little bit. First Leaf is the way to do this. It's a wine club that curates and ships wines that are perfect for you. Not only does First Leaf introduce you to a ton of new wine, each box gets better because you tell them, hey, I like this one, I like this one, this one, eh, not my favorite. They can send you stuff that helps reinforce what you love and challenge you into new areas you didn't even know you were going to like. First Leaf works directly with the winemakers, which means you get incredible 60% uh, off deals uh, from retail. And they're going to... Like they know what they're doing at First Leaf. I mean, they, they've they've got this down. Um, and so, if you don't love the wine, they're going to give you. You know, they got a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. If you receive a bottle that isn't exactly what you were hoping for, they're going to give you a credit. Six bottles of wine for twenty nine ninety five right now. Six bottles of wine for twenty nine ninety five. Free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com/stew. Six bottles of wine for thirty bucks. How are you going to lose with that? Free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. I'm mildly happy to welcome Glenn back back to the studio. His newest special airs directly after this show at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's called The Divided States of America. Is it time for a national divorce? Glenn, thank you so much for coming in. Mm, it's always a joy to be here. Really? Mm. Mm. Speaking of divorce. Um, yeah. 
let me ask you about your show tonight because I, I have a uh, this has been a, a topic that's bubbling up this national divorce mm-hmm. we go back we've been doing this show together for a long time on mm-hmm. radio and we loved made, every minute of it. <laughs> you know again uh, your sincerity is <laughs> bothered um, but like we've made we've said this as a bit for years like all right let's do a draft of the states which ones do we get which ones do they get i mean it's been kind of a comical idea mm-hmm. all of a sudden it doesn't seem all that comical anymore <laughs> <laughs> did you really think that my uh, my uh, comedic presentation <laughs> wasn't half serious <laughs> right it was it's exactly what it was it yeah. was half serious yeah. we re- recognized we had problems mm. but there wasn't like a, a real plan to divide the states and have i don't a national think there divorce. is a real plan to divide the states there is a, a beginning to be a real longing to divide the states and it, it is because we don't agree on things anymore we don't agree on basic principles that's a man that's a woman there are only two genders no, not only do we not agree on it, you will be silenced if you if you say there's only two genders. Well, then now that violates two things, I believe in freedom right. of speech, diversity of thought uh, and the gender thing. It's happening in all of almost everything we have. Um, and what do we have in common anymore? Sincerely, what do we have in common anymore that the people who are Donald Trump supporters are terrorists. Seems to be something we're supposed to all have in common. That January 6th was worse than the Civil War. <laughs> that the, that um, we should uh, reduce the c- cops while we're letting prisoners and murderers out of jail. Uh, we should all have a vaccine mandate, except those people who are coming across our border in the hundreds of thousands. They don't even have to be checked for COVID. We don't agree on anything. We don't agree on anything. So, but I mean, I don't, there's always been wide divides in No, but these are principles. These are principles. Um, my faith did something back in the 90s uh, called the Proclamation of the Family. Mm-hmm. And it said, men and women are different and gender roles are, uh, come from God. And uh, and uh, and I remember in 1990, we all looked at each other and we're like, uh huh, <laughs> yeah, and we couldn't imagine why the church was coming out and being so specific on gender roles and principles that everybody back in the 90s thought were self-evident truths, because they're not. Yeah, they're not anymore. Is is part of this just? how much politics and these I, these issues dominate our lives now we're like i remember go take us back to the beginning of the show here for a second this is back in i guess what mid 2000s yeah we just start the national show mm. we're doing a show in philadelphia and the guy running our board is actually a communist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. L- literally we called him clinton the communist correct a great guy mm-hmm. but like a communist, an yeah. actual believing communist. We didn't pay him, by the way. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he, he each according like to his market, need. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he actually had a card. A card. He was a card-carrying communist, mm-hmm. a real one. Mm-hmm. We hung out with him. We were able to talk with him. We even talked politics with him. He was a good guy. We had a good relationship with him. I mean, and he was much further than you'd say the average Democrat was. It's like Michael Rechtenwald. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rechtenwald was that same guy. He wrote white papers from his professorship at NYU for mm-hmm. communists. It's only when they became serious, 
he was looking at it as an intellectual exercise, and sure. I would say Clinton also yeah. was was doing it to to push people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, sure. and to get people to think. When you actually get down to it, and they're all and they're starting to say like, "Oh yeah, you have to be eliminated. You have to go to jail. You have to be uh, silenced." That's when that's when the communist rubber meets the road. Right. That's when it's no longer theory. And that that's what's happening to us now. We, we are our lives are being affected at all times. And you have no idea when the green agenda starts being implemented that they're serious about having everybody's house, you know, weather stripped. They're serious. They will be telling us what we must do to be in compliance with our home. This is this is the way these companies are. This is why they're all for these things. You're going to John Roberts. He said never before. Well, others said never before. Did you have to buy something to be in compliance Mm -hmm. to be just a citizen? Okay. yeah. That's what the that's what he did with the Supreme Court. The Obamacare, the Obamacare thing. You now had to purchase something to be in compliance just so you could be a citizen, not in trouble. That's what's coming. And it will be down to the most minute thing. Look at what they're doing in California. The gas engine is gone for weed eaters and leaf blowers and lawnmowers. You can't have a a generator to generate power that is a gasoline power generator. That's insanity. Insanity. And they just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And you will fall farther and farther out of compliance. Yeah. And then you're in trouble. Because, I mean, I look at my uh, my lifestyle. I don't I don't think about the planet all that much when I live (laughs) it, um, if at all. Well, I do a lot because I'm I'm on it. Well, I'm on it, yeah, but like yeah. I don't think about the green priorities. I don't sure. live my life. I make my life based. Uh, if solar panels are more reliable energy at some point in the future and they cost less, I'm going to buy solar panels. I don't yep. I don't have any loyalty to fossil fuels, mm-hmm. but like I don't consider that. I don't I, I mean, I've read enough to know that an individual's decisions is, is not what's going to change that, even if every single word they say is true. Uh, but it's going to be more than that. It's not going to be about whether it makes a difference to the earth or even what the cost oh, is. No, no, no. It's going to be punishments if you don't do it. Oh, Stu, what is coming ju- just on the Green Deal? I'm telling you now, every car will be electric by 2030. Every new car will be electric by 2030. You and I have talked about this. Mm. I just bought a car that was the last of an era, the last fully V8 gasoline uh, engine, no electric assist. Okay, it was the last of the line. You've been looking at GM and seeing a GM car that is the last story. yeah. Yeah, the last V8. We are in the golden era of cars right now. 2030. It will be a completely new era. You will not be able to buy that car. Now, let me just ask you, if there is no electric in, or no, no uh, gasoline-powered engine, no gasoline-powered weed eater, no gasoline-powered anything, look at the, the stress on our electric grid in California already. Yeah. Now take your coal out of the mix. Just reduce it by 10%. Reduce your nuclear energy by just 10%. You will not be able to function. When, the, when uh, who was it, Biden said or Saki said yesterday that you won't 
be it don't you're not going back to the way things were when it comes to consuming and you know we over consume and that's fine whatever I, I you know but not forced right not because I don't want to remember 2030 is when they say you will own nothing and you will like it Saki said yesterday the president is using coronavirus her words yeah. president is using coronavirus as the catalyst to change fundamentally our economy you're not talking about that mm. we are but when we talk about it they say it's a conspiracy theory yeah until when they, they it. when they say <laughs> yeah. it and they put it in these bills it's over the only shot we have is to strengthen our states and our local communities that's a big, I mean, federalism is not a national divorce, but it has a lot of those features to it. You can, you can isolate yourself, in, in, in theory at least, at least the way the country was designed. The question yeah. is, though, you know. Texas how- can, as long as they have their own power grid. They have their own gold. They have their own power grid. So they can isolate themselves uh, somewhat. So we'll see all you in Texas uh, very soon, I'm sure. Um, Let me change gears before we run out of time, though. Um, A couple big stories came out about your efforts with the Nazarene Fund. We had a great event at Mercury One this weekend, um, and there's a lot of really promising things coming uh, around the corner. You had Rudy there, uh, who's running the effort, who, by Mm -hmm. the way, spent endless amounts of time talking about all the organizations you're working with and thanking them for all of their efforts, which I thought was interesting after reading multiple press reports where they basically accused you guys of taking all the credit for everything which is the exact opposite of what i've seen is that i mean how does that fly in the face where i keep saying on air air. and personally you've seen me in the Mm -hmm. hallway don't thank me i don't want to be thanked we're working with amazing people yes you said it a hundred thousand times of course uh so the 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 two stories maybe we can get a quick comment on the new york times says that you guys were involved closely with the guy who was an interpreter in Afghanistan who helped rescue Joe Biden when he had an issue with a flight in a blizzard back in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys had a part in that. Can you talk we, about it a yeah, little bit? We, and I don't remember how long, and uh, you know, so it, it check all the facts. You can get all the facts. Uh, but uh, I think we had him in a safe house for two or three weeks, him and his family. Transported we, him a couple hundred miles. Transported away from him. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. Um, uh, had him on a plane or at the airport a couple of times because of weather conditions. It was canceled. Um, and uh, then, like a week ago or two weeks ago, he just ghosted us. And he wouldn't. We didn't know if he had been taken from the safe house or if he had left. Mm-hmm. We found out later that he had found somebody else to take him across the Pakistani border. Great. Yeah. I'm Good. A, I mean, I wish he wouldn't have, you know, I wish he would have told us we were concerned. Sure, sure, sure. But there was a big part of that that I know this audience was involved in and yeah. getting him to safety. Um, the other one is this Vice article that came out. They are going after uh, you. And uh, I don't know. I mean, they're. The article I read was basically seems to say lots of uh, insinuations about your efforts. But when you really read it, they, they say there you know, tons of really amazing things have happened here. I am a little skeptical that any of this is true. Is there anything on this that you can comment on? On Vice? Yeah, on their ridiculous reporting. Uh, no, I, I didn't even understand what point they were trying to make. They were like, hey, look at these people over here who are really bad. Hey, Glenn Beck is raising money and doing these things. 
And these people are doing nothing, but they were tying it in to me somehow or another. I don't even know. I don't understand what their point was. Yeah. My comment to Vice is you're going to get people. Where's the camera? You're going to get people killed. You will. It, you take out legitimate organizations. We're all for people who are not legitimate going away. You take down legitimate organizations. People will die. People will not be free. Um, I have asked some of the biggest um, uh, news outlets uh, in the world. Don't print numbers. Don't say numbers because we don't want to tip people off. There's a full accounting that will come. It happens every single year. Every year it happens. Why? Why do they expect? They said in there, we reached out several times. They answered us once, and then they did because they. they were, I mean, we had our attorneys looked at it this over this weekend because we mm -hmm. knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. Our attorneys looked at it and they said, "This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous." They just all. One of the questions was, "How much money have you paid to the Taliban?" <laughs> None. <laughs> Where does that even come from? Right. You know what I mean? And they're just they're everything. Digging. They're, they're yeah. just digging. And so we just were like, shut up. You're not even serious about yeah, it. Yeah, it feels I mean, it feels desperate uh, just by reading it. It seems like they're just trying to come up with a storyline without any of the facts Look, to support it. We pissed very powerful people off that wanted uh, to send the message that you can't do things. I don't know what the connection is with vice. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Right. Whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I just know we're on the up and up. We're clean. Not a dollar is going someplace. We are negotiating for the these other charities that they they hold up and they say blah blah blah. blah. These are great. We're paying two hundred thousand dollars less per flight because we've negotiated. Oh, my gosh, what are we doing? I'm buying ice cream with a 200,000. No, we're saving more people. <laughs> right. And they're like, why do you why do you say that uh, there's the, you know, that you got on the air and said that you needed to raise more money because you're not taking into account. The first part is to get them onto a tarmac at a lily pad. OK, a country. Then we have to find countries to take all those people, pay for their flights, then pay the the um, the charity organizations to help take care of them, teach them a language, get them a job, get them houses. Half of that money, over half of that money is going to go for just relocating and making sure these people are taken care of. So we just don't dump them on some other country. <laughs> right. That's the responsible I mean, way to do it's it. It's so stupid. Well, I think so much of the media nonsense is part of the reason why you have the show tonight, because it leads to People thinking, I don't get to a national divorce, which is scary because I know we love this country. We want there's no reason we can't have. If we don't opinions. start talking about these things now. Yeah, um, I don't know where we go. I don't know where we end up. We, we end up at war eventually because they will cross lines. They will. They already have. And at some point you're like, I can't do this anymore. I don't I don't want this for my family. I don't want this for my children. Where's America gone? And, and right. I'm not I'm not the revolutionary. OK, they'll make you into a radical if you say these things and say we should have a national divorce. No, no, no. I want a national divorce because you won't abide by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Right. I will. You won't. 
Who's the radical? And the time to talk about that is obviously way out in front of any of these way bad out. things happen. Let's yep. get it, let's let's just be open and honest and talk about these things. Glenn Beck, the new special is The Divided States of America. Is it time for a national divorce? It starts right at, uh, after this program, 9 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. Uh, Glenn, thanks a lot. Uh, for Make sure to stick around, of course, for our... The show is still on the air. I don't know how. I mean, I just don't think... Oh, you, we're off. Yeah, no, we're no, not. We're I was in the middle of talking. Uh, well, Nobody we've been talking listens. about John Gruden all week. Uh, we have a couple of new uh, NFL predictions that I think you'll enjoy coming up. Mm. You know, when I want to find out what, what you should have to have a healthy uh, meal, I always go to Glenn Beck because he's just a, you know, he's a healthy guy. He's, I mean, look at this guy. You want to talk about a picture of health? Just shut him up. <laughs> Built Bar is, uh, I will say, one of Glenn's really good recommendations. We're talking about uh, coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and so many more. Uh, you can have these things as a snack. You can look, have, let me just say this. Yes. Everything Stu says is wrong, a lie, <laughs> uh, just sheer incompetence. Right. He's right on this one. <laughs> Here you go. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. He's right on this one thing. On this one thing, this one time, 180 calories or less, four to five grams of sugar, four to five net carbs. Uh, you're going to love them. My, uh, my wife loves them. Glenn loves them. Tanya, his wife loves them. Built.com. Promo code is Stu15. Save 15% off your first order. Promo code is Stu15 for 15% off at Built.com. in progressive history. San Francisco, California, February 7, 2017. Super Bowl Sunday! It was perfect game day weather at the Stadium for Tolerance, Understanding, and Football, if time permits, in downtown San Francisco. Equalitor's wide receiver, Francis Wiffelstriker, was filled with elation. For two straight seasons, he had ridden the bench for accidentally changing the locker room TV channel off of MSNBC. But today would be his redemption. At the conclusion of Supreme Chancellor Clinton's polytheistic and polyatheistic non-faith-based incantation of positivity, Wiffelstriker took the field as the game was about to begin. Career referee Charles Bottompatter examined both teams to ensure that both contained enough racial and sexual diversity before handing the ball to the player with the most contributions to MoveOn.org. Thank you. Due to kickoffs being ruled too dangerous by the Obama administration the previous season, Wiffelstriker cradles the ball lovingly and begins his slow, safe push to the end zone. Time out! After Wiffelstriker's exhilarating run, the play is stopped so that the athletes can rehydrate and check themselves for injury. Time in. Wiffelstriker hands off the ball to the other team so that they can have equal time playing offense. Time out. Bottom patter pauses the clock and excuses the players from the field so that they can call their girlfriends and remind them to take their federally mandated Plan B pills. Time in. Wiffelstriker races back out to the field and wait. Time out again! Bottom patter spots an insect on the field and identifies it as potentially endangered. Play is wonderfully stopped once again, so that section of the field can be blocked off and not disturbed. Time in! 
Wiffle Striker is awarded a free touchdown for respecting all the other players' dietary preferences by eating mid-game sandwiches made of only whole grain bread and three-day-old lettuce. And that's the ball game. After five intense minutes of play, referee Bottom Patter determines that both teams have done a really super wonderful good job and tried really, really super darn hard. All players are awarded participation rings and no scores or statistics are recorded. Supreme Chancellor Clinton congratulates the crowd for being in her presence and extracts a 15% game enjoyment tax before boarding her hover jet back to the White Mansion. And that's another great moment in progressive history! I said I was moderately happy to welcome back Glenn Beck. I'm even less happy to welcome back Jeff Fisher. Hi. Stuff. Chewing the fat right here on Please uh, TV. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you get uh, your podcasts. Uh, it's available now wherever you get your podcasts. Jeffy, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you. I almost believe you. Yes, I, <laughs> you should almost believe yeah. me. Uh, let's start with something important, your hair. <laughs> I've known you for what seems like an eternity. No doubt about okay. it. It's been a long time. This and is the longest it's been. <laughs> I've never seen your hair this I long. Know. What is now? I've noticed the same thing with Aaron Rodgers when I've watched him. Well, uh, you know, Aaron and I, you know, we're in the same circles. You run in the same so, circles. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen like you in a man bun yet, which I'm looking forward to. <laughs> it could happen that at could any be. time. Are you growing this out for a reason? Well, I decided the, that you know I was going to let it, obviously you know it's pandemic hair and not get a haircut and we're stuck yeah, and, stuff. Yeah, and they, then and they, then I've been wanting to get a cut, so I've decided that I'm gonna I've just been letting it grow mm -hmm. and I'm going to do a fundraiser for OUR. Oh, uh, okay. And shave my head for <laughs> the, a certain you know we'll raise a certain amount of money and mm -hmm. uh, then. I'll shave my head for that. I'll do it live on, you know, YouTube or Instagram and do a live head shave for OUR. The link for that where you can donate will be available soon. Right. You can go to this Listen to Chewing the Fat yes. show Listen daily, to the show. And I'll give you that link and more information on it. No is, problem. Is it driving you insane yet? Yeah, it's, uh, it's time. <laughs> it's time. It's it does hit you. Yeah, time. I had that uh, when we, you know, when the COVID thing was really in effect back in, you know, I don't know, you know, this April and May of 2020, uh, and, they didn't, and they didn't open those places up. It was driving me nuts. Yeah, it was I, I've, it was just insane. And, and it's been, you know, it's been a while since I've had it really short. Yeah. Now, you know, obviously bald is a little bit shorter than short. Yeah. But it's time. It's time to go. <laughs> it so is. donate to O-U-R when the link goes live. Just listen to the show and then I'll you know, shave my head and we'll be back to normal. So there's some interesting stuff that you are, you've been involved in over the, over the years and you know, we can't get oh, through boy. all of those things. But you're, a Tam, you know, you're kind of a Tampa legend. We, we've met you down in Tampa. Love Tampa. Like well, you love Tampa. I love Tampa. Tampa loves you. I don't know why they do, but they do. <laughs> um, and you're you know, very connected to the community down there. And at around the time where John Gruden was yeah. coaching the Tampa Bay Huge. Bucks, of course, winning the Super Bowl. It was uh, awesome. Great times in Tampa the, during those days. The, yeah. yeah they were, they, uh, just like, again, in the, the world of Tampa Bay, yeah. now is fantastic. Yeah, I know. Between the Bucks and the Rays and the Lightning, it's awesome. Anyway, it, it is really a, an amazing time for Tampa sports. Um, but you, so there, there, all these emails come out with Gruden. I mean, I know you're never going to be a guy who monitors language, but I mean, some of the emails are pretty bad. What, what should the Raiders have done here? Well, first of all, yeah, uh, they were bad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're private emails, right? Talking to friends mm -hmm. who are other 
guys. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the email chain of a lot of those, I mean, Ed Drosty, the guy who is in charge of Hooters. <laughs> I know, at one point uh, they're like, they sent photos of topless women. <laughs> oh like, my I, God. I don't know, did the guy from Hooters send pictures of topless <laughs> women? I, I don't know, I'd you be know, stunned. I, what happened was, and, and, and one of the uh, emails was, uh, Jim McVeigh was on the was on the chain. He's the head of the Outback Bowl. I know him really well. He's mm -hmm. a nice guy. Yeah, you know all these I guys. Love, yeah. I love them. So, I mean, they're just, I know that, you're, you know, they're saying stuff that we're not supposed to admit has ever been said before in mm -hmm. public. Well, it wasn't said in public. It was said in an email. Right. But I'm pretty sure what happened is that, you know, this all started from the investigation on the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. The Redskins. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found an email that had uh, something bad said about Roger Goodell. Mm. Right. So then Goodell authorizes, well, we've got to go through those 650,000 emails <laughs> and see if somebody else said something bad about me. Somebody called me the F word. Yeah. And uh, and that's what they did. And sure enough, they, there was plenty of emails, bad mouth and Roger Goodell. Yeah, you know, that does seem to be a big part of this. The, the, the chain of evidence as to how we yep. came into contact with this information is really fascinating. Yes, it is. It does seem like, you know, I mean, there's lots of speculation straight out that the NFL got pissed, you know, particularly Goodell, got pissed off that they were bashing them in, this, yep. in these emails and they decided to release the worst ones to punish them. And, and look, Gruden, you know, he's hated the the woke culture mm -hmm. and he's the he's always been the locker room guys guy he's always right? been a guy always been known for very salty language yes uh known for screaming a lot but i mean the fall is i mean the fall is over right i mean they took him down i was told the ring of honor yeah tampa's gone i mean he's done right it's over he's whatever money he's got is his now does he come back yeah maybe I, I you, you know what you you're going to see very soon uh, within in the next couple of years, a John Gruden podcast. That's where this oh. this this that's where this goes, right? He he starts a podcast, people start listening to it, and he has and a it'll be huge, right? He'll make a fortune. But I, mean, I would listen to John tell, talk about football. Yeah, uh, I, I talk, like absolutely. I, he's always been good on this. What I think is funny about this is all these emails happened when he was an employee of ESPN slash ABC right. slash Disney. That's when all this was going on. They are on the air constantly criticizing this and talking yes, about Gruden without taking any responsibility. Right, it's like he didn't exist at ESPN. Yeah, I mean, he was not a he was not the Raiders coach. He was an employee of ESPN. Right. Yeah, all this happened then. I mean, it was it's incredible that you know. I mean, I'm sure I'm not surprised that Tampa got rid of him because you know a couple of the a couple of the emails may have said some things about Brian Glazier, who was the owner of mm. the Bucks, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. it was his dad that brought Gruden in, but the Glazier family is, yes. you know, the Buccaneers, and, you know, he made some comments to Alan about... Uh, <laughs> about everything. About some things. Yeah, about that. <laughs> well, one thing I think is interesting, and I, I don't know how to weigh this, because in this new world where we all send a million emails, everybody say, you know, oh, I, you should see the collection I have of you. My friend. Uh, that I'm, I'm going to turn I, into the press You better soon. print them, because I've been deleting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like, you know... All of these emails, there are about most of the stuff that came out was John Gruden saying bad things about people like Roger Goodell, like calling right. him calling him a wuss in a very colorful way. He had a couple things that really obviously crossed the line. But when you have a comment like, you know, when you have hundreds of thousands of emails and there is only one comment they can come up with that really comes goes well, way, way across the line, maybe two. 
in that long of a series, what does that say about the person? I mean, it's not like he was doing this all the time. Or no. I'm sure we'd see it. Right. And, you know, what was the first one that kicked off the the, the downfall, the, the racist yeah, one? Right? That, that was, the, yeah, pretty right. bad. Uh, right. Okay. Yes, right. Yes, no admittedly. question. Yes. But, again, you're right. One. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen, like, I mean, maybe there's, I guess you could say if there was a chain connected to that, there's more than one, but that's only one email sent, right? Right. It's just uh, one. Amazing. It, they, so, okay, last one before I let you go. There is, uh, this is, this is our world, right? Yeah. We've, we grew up in an, an era, and I don't want to say we grew up in the same era, got hundreds of years apart, but we grew up in an era where you would say things and like they'd go away. Yep. Our kids are not growing no up in that era. Everything they do online, everything they send is going to be part of their record forever. I mean, Eric Schmidt said it back in 2003 yeah. or four or somewhere in there talking about, uh, well, people are going to need a new identity by the time they're 18 or 19 years old. They're gonna be, and everybody thought he was crazy. Uh, not anymore. Yeah, that's like a real anymore. proposal you, now. Absolutely. Yeah. Eric Schmidt, the former head of Google. Yeah. It's like, well, part of the reason is because of your service. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to point that out. Um, so, uh, we had so much more to get to. We're oh, I know. Out of time. Um, okay. So, chewing the fat, uh, available everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Uh, um, always entertaining. Always, always a lot of fun. You always find these the the. The two things I know I'm getting from you are very bizarre stories about people doing very strange things <laughs> and also criminals that you will root for. That is the that's the thing you always get. On, I mean, on, some of them are a, alleged criminals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some of them are alleged criminals, just like you. Jeff Fisher, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, at Jeffy JFR on Twitter and uh, Jeff Fisher Radio on uh, Instagram and Facebook, where I will announce the link where you can donate to OUR and have me shave my head. Can, can, will people donate to so you don't go on social media anymore? You know what? If you want to donate, <laughs> if that's the reason you're donating, you go ahead. All right. Jeffy, thanks for coming on. Ah, it's been many, many years since the, the founding of Mercury Real Estate uh, back in the day. I remember when Glenn was going through this at his house in, um, in Connecticut, I think it was. Yes, it was. And he was sitting here just blabbing, whining about his real estate agent Never all the time. Never ending. No, I just, you know, when Glenn gets something like that on his mind, right now he's got the thing on his mind where he's doing house repairs. And it's just, it's constant. Every day comes in, oh, it's going to be two more weeks, two more weeks. <laughs> and he's been in this, like, home repair Era. He should call his own company and just dump the joint. Yeah, there you What's go. Up? Dump the joint on the market now. The market's good. Real, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com is the place that he created to make sure you could find the best real estate agent in your area, whether you're buying or you're selling a home. You need to get the best price. You need to make sure that transaction goes along the best way. You need to make sure you're not dumping tons of money into home repairs and then selling your home when they're just going to wind up changing those things again anyway. Get someone you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. One year ago today, we were getting close to the presidential election. No one knew which way it was going to go. It was a very tight election. The polls were pretty close. And all of a sudden, this huge news broke about Hunter Biden and his laptop in the New York Post. And it was then throttled all across the Internet, banned. They banned the nation's oldest newspaper from going on Twitter because of this story and they've successfully squelched it as they, as they put the post put in the one year anniversary story about the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, the only lesson they they learned was that it worked. Amazing. That doesn't mean that you can't have your own 
Hunter Biden laptop case. Yes, HunterBidenLaptopCase.com. HunterBidenLaptopCase.com. The ultimate tool for, for your laptop and probably will get it stolen. But don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, go to there. Uh, you can check it out. All, all the other merch is there for the holidays. Get it while you can get it. I mean, the supply chains. You're, you're, you're toast. Get your laptop case right now.